What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for listening. Wanted to put this at the top of the episode. So when I recorded with Oscar, it's a fantastic episode, but we did have some technical difficulties. I salvaged what I could. We did lose about five, ten minutes uh, in the middle, but I believe I got it all working correctly. It should sound great. Thank you again for listening. Subscribe, rate, and review. Subscribe on Patreon. You know the deal, and enjoy the episode. Yeah, you're on the bottom, so just keep that in mind. Ooh, as I far. love that. <laughs> I love that. Can you just cont- can you just can we just do an hour of you just saying you're on the bottom? Oh, and I'll probably a- say it a few more times. That's Don't fine. forget, yeah. you're on the bottom. Oh, really? You're not going to use that? I thought that was great. No, all this will stay in. Grab me a beer and grab him a coat. We about to sit for an hour bullshit and tell jokes. And please don't mix it up, cause he done sobered up. Brandon T. Comedy on your social media feeds. And Brandon Tess here, bitch, your ex drank your buddy. Brandon Tess here, bitch, your ex drank your buddy. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Brennan Tassif is your ex-drinking buddy. I'm your host, Brennan Tassif. If you are new to the show, I'll give you a quick rundown of the show. I used to be everyone's favorite drinking buddy. It was my favorite thing to do drugs, get drunk, hang out with friends, get in trouble, and reminisce about old stories. I'm sober now, but that is still one of my favorite things to do, hang out with people and reminisce. I will be joined by a guest most weeks. This week is no exception. Joined in his apartment all the way from New York City, Oscar Aiden. Oh my gosh. I love this. That's a great intro. I'm awful at intros. Yeah. Like are every you? yeah, every person that's been on the podcast that I've done, I've had to redo the intro seven times. <laughs> well, speaking like, of your podcast, plug everything up front. We'll do it again at the end, but let everyone know where they can find you. So you're a comedian, okay. you play at the stand, you're a regular there. Right. So you can find me at the stand, you can find me at Broadway, you can find me at Greenwich Comedy Club. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at it's Oscar Aiden. And then also I'm on Twitter at I have gay DHD. <laughs> and then I have a new podcast that just released. I'm four episodes in. You can listen to that on Apple podcasts and Spotify. It's called O Oscar. O H Oscar. Oh, Oscar. That's what is it about? So what I do is I bring guests on. We talk about their like, you know, we talk about them and then we talk about their first gay experience. Okay. And then they explain that. And then we do a wheel of gay DHD Q&A where they spin the wheel and then they basically are like, oh, okay. And I ask them questions. Oh, that sounds like fun. That was a lot of fun. I had Vanessa Jackson, uh, not this past, uh, this past one, but uh episode three and it was the it was such a good episode but the audio didn't work oh no and it was but we 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 i made it work i pushed it out there um but she got she spun and then it landed on okay ask oscar a question and so it you know it's where the interviewee becomes the interviewer and she was like all right in the comedy community who would you wanna fuck and i was like what she was like yeah and so i told her and only she knows but she put it out there on the podcast i put it out there but i edited out what i said yeah 
I literally edited it out so you can't hear it, but only she knows. And she was shocked. Really? Shocked. She was like, oh my God, really? I was like, yeah. So now what yeah. you have to do is you have to start a Patreon and then you have to put those edited things on the Patreon. Oh. See, See there? Ooh. Now you're thinking with your noggin. Oh, look at that. No, I'm, uh, we're thinking with yours, not yeah. mine, because I'm awful at that. <laughs> I'm so, it's weird because I just do a lot of stuff that I see other people do. But then I moved to New York and then I'm talking to comics. Like you pass at the stand, you know, you're playing all over. And then people are like, yeah, I think I should start a podcast. And I was like, I already have like merch and a Patreon and like all this stuff just only because that's what I thought we were supposed to do. Oh, yeah. I only I've been doing comedy for a while. And only last year did someone say you need to be taping all your sets. And I was like, Oh, you don't okay. tape all your sets? No, I don't tape them all. Oh, Oscar. I tape. I tape. Oh, Oscar. I know. See, there you go. I tape one in 10 sets. Oh, I, I audio record every set. I try and get into that. Yeah. I oh, I have to because uh, I tell stories. You're much better than I am, especially with the punchy stuff. Like you're bang, 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 bang. I try to tell stories and a lot of times I will lose tags if I don't record it. Because I'll say something on a whim and it'll get a laugh. And then I'm like, oh, I should have written that or I should have written that, that down or recorded it. So now and then Matt Fulcheron, who's a very funny comic friend of the show, told me instead of sitting in my apartment and writing, because sometimes you can get writer's block that way. When I walk around the city, I'll just voice record into my notes if I think of something and then I have it because there's so many times. I don't know if this happens with you, but there's so many times where we're like. Oh, I've had that thought before, and it's funny. I'll remember that. Yeah. And then oh, you're like, that's interesting. what the fuck was I thinking about earlier oh, today? Oh, I know. And I have the worst ADHD. So, like, if someone's like, oh, do you remember that? I'm like, no. Yeah. It's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I, I, I don't. I don't remember anything. Usually, I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm talking about half well, the time. That's why we have to record all this. Yeah. So exactly. then you always know. Yeah. I want to talk about you. So... When did you start? When did you have you always been in New York? When did you start doing comedy? Let's get into it. Oh, my gosh. So I started comedy, I think, when I was born. I mean, I just came <laughs> out of the closet and I was like, all right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get this show on the road. Uh, no, I started comedy in New York in a while back and I actually started in improv. And okay. I realized that I am awful in improv. Yeah. I am awful. It's a running theme on the show how I feel about improv and sketch comedies. So. Yeah. Sketch comedy, I love. Yeah. Improv, I'm like, I don't. I, I don't. It's your ADD. Your oh, ADHD. Yeah, it's you awful. Can't. Also, I'm, I'm a homosexual. I'm not going to share the <laughs> stage with anybody. When's the last time you saw a homosexual share the stage with anyone? That's why it's a competition when you call RuPaul. It's called RuPaul's Drag Race for a reason. It's a competition. Yeah. No queen wants to share the stage with anyone because we Were you it. like being aggressive in improv? Like, shut up. No, I was just being very politically incorrect. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was I, I'm I'm not like offensive, but I'm politically incorrect. And that's they don't tolerate that. They want everyone to love the idea that you are on Mars with a washing machine with your grandma and you have to say yes. And and everything. And I was like, yeah, no, that doesn't fly with me. Yes. No. That's yeah. Not gonna I was work. like, I was like, no, I don't want to fucking do that. I want to be on Mars with a. I don't want to be on Mars with a fucking dishwasher. 
That's so stupid. <laughs> and then. So you started, I'm sorry, you, I are you that. from New York? No, I'm from Chicago. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So you were still around. I was in theater. Okay. Shockingly. That, yeah. Yeah. I was in theater. Surprise. Surprise. I was in theater and then I. What does Derek uh, say? Plot twist. Yeah. Plot twist. I was in, uh, I was in theater and that kind of was like, oh, I like being on stage. I like being in front of people. I mean. Okay. Shocking. So you were a talent in theater. Cause I've had people on who, who do Directing and sound and lighting oh, no, and all I that. Was, I yeah. was on stage. I, but I was never anything like fabulous. Question. I was never anything fabulous. Like when I was in like in all the school plays, I was the rabbi and fiddler on the roof. And then I like this is how old I already looked in high school. I was the rabbi and fiddler on the roof. I was the mayor in Bye Bye Birdie. And I was the dead brother in... <laughs> And so, like, there was definitely a theme here of how I was like, all right, I'm not going to get any of the leading roles. Okay. I understand. I am a character actor, apparently, the older character actor. Yeah. And so then I did, um, so I did, what's it, uh, I did theater. And then I was like, all right, I'll try improv. Improv was awful. And then I took. This is in New York. Yeah. So I did the. Theater in Chicago. Then you moved to New York. Yep. And then I did a stand-up comedy class with Jordan Carlos when he was teaching at the pit. And so I did a class. What prompted you to do the class? You just wanted to try it? Yeah, I was like, I'll try it, see how it goes. Okay. And so I did it, and he thought I was really good. Uh, I didn't write anything. I think I wrote a few things. And then I brought a bunch of people to come see me and I just had the best time on stage. And I loved how everybody was focused on me and it was about me and, you know, and I just did crowd work. And then I kind of just let it go because I didn't know what else. I didn't know what the next steps were. No one took me by the side. No one took me on the on the side and said, all right, now this is what you got to do. Yeah. Now this, here, this is where we go. Right. This, you got to go right and do open mics and trust material and this and that. And I'm like, oh, well, f no one taught me that. So I just did a bunch of bringer shows. And then I stopped for a while because I needed to live and pay rent in yeah. New York City. And then I, um, I started again in 2015, 2016, running an open mic at Bunga's Den. And then I did a little bit of Chrissy Mayer, had a show at Stonewall called Comedy at Stonewall. So I would do that show. And then, uh, and then I had to work and I had to get another job. And so I didn't do comedy. And then I started again in the um, end of 2019. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. I was doing open mics, this and that. And then 2020 hit and then it all just came crashing down. Yeah. And then during the pandemic, I was like, all right, let me just do some Zoom open mics because I'm bored as fuck. So let me do some Zoom open mics. I started doing Zoom open mics. I started writing. I started doing some things. And then I was like, all right, well, you know, I'll just, and I started writing and writing and writing and writing. And then things just kind of happened. And I was booked on this show and then that show. And then I won another competition. I won a New York Underground Comedy Festival, which had like 250 comedians. And so oh, wow. I was chosen, you know, winner of that. And that was a, for me, that was a big deal because I'd That's never a huge really deal. won. Yeah, I'd never, even though it wasn't a really big competition, it was still 
you know, one that was fairly well known. And so and I you won it. Yeah. And so I won it and it was amazing. And that kind of just pushed me. And so I was like, all right, let's keep going. January comes around. I started producing my own show because I wasn't in any of the clubs. So I was like, well, if I don't, I always say, if you don't have a seat at the table, bring one. Yeah, that's good. So, advice. you know, that's what I did. I, I started producing my own show. I was like, all right, we're going to do this. And then I just, I got past at Broadway and Greenwich. And then by the luck of the draw, I did a show at, I did a show at The Stand. Now, was it a produced show? It was a produced show. Okay. If you see me on here, it's only because I'm writing notes down. No. So I was on a produced show at The Stand, and I did, it was a, a Bushwick Bears show, and I literally What just, is that? It was a. Uh, it was run by Derek Humphrey and two other comics. I forgot their name, okay. but I it was just, a lot of fun. Whenever you say bears, I always immediately think. I know. Don't say that because I'm like kind of you know. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, what happened was is I did the show, and then they, I guess the producer or I guess Joe saw me passed on my tape to Patrick and then Patrick emailed me and said, why don't you come in for an audition? Oh, really? So that's how it happened. Yeah. So that's the thing that's been, I'm always so fascinated by how it happens only because it was literally out of the blue. That's the thing is it's so bananas how, so like I've been doing comedy since 2009. I finally get all my years ago, get to like, all right, I need to start taking the, starting the podcast. And I'm like, I'm going to New York. It was New York or LA, and I just love New York. So I'm going to New York. And I got here, and it was, I joke with some of my regular time. It's like, had I known I would get here, start at zero, have or worked on the podcast or done it, like I would have just right. came here. <laughs> Sorry about that, everyone. We had some technical difficulties. So we left off where we were talking about Oscar was, you were talking about going around to different spots in the city, doing things like that. Then we kind of got into crowd work, which you're incredibly good at, and engaging the audience, things like that. Then we were bringing up comics that we really like with crowd work. We left off with Aaron Berg, who's great with it. Yeah. Who says some outrageous stuff on stage, but gets away with it. You know what it is, is he is, I think... One of the biggest things is making sure that you hit on everything and everyone yeah. when you're doing crowd work. Like you can't, you know, you can't just get into a crowd, find a certain type of person and just go after them constantly. Because what happens is it can be fun in the beginning. <laughs> then you however, the entire room. However, all of a sudden the person gets annoyed and now the audience feels bad for them and they're not laughing anymore. And then it gets awkward. Yeah. Has that ever happened to you? Uh, no. Cause I'm, I'm You're very, I, I, I try and read the room as best as possible Yeah. when I'm like, okay, these people are not loving the crowd work. So I'm going to move on. You know, I'm just, I'm going to move on. And that's the thing is like, it's, it's learning how to move on. And also like crowd work is, is a weird beast because you got to be able to really be quick. I see a lot of comics who do crowd work and it's just painful. Yeah. It's painful to watch because they're trying to step out of their comfort zone, do crowd work, and they're not quick enough to respond to things because 
there could be an audience where you're talking to someone, you're doing crowd work, and then all of a sudden a girl or a guy just starts yelling at you, heckling at you in the middle of it. And you have to be able to know how to control the audience and bring it back to you. Yes. And I did a show uh, a while back ago. The host got up on stage, uh, got up on stage and just started like doing jokes and this and that, but then started doing crowd work. And then what happened was is they let the people in the audience have a conversation with them on stage. Cannot do that. And they just, and it was just like this, it it turned from a show to a conversation because then what happens is the next person that got up was thrown off because the the people in the audience thought it was a conversation thing. Yeah. I and they were like, oh, well, I, I got to talk to the host. I, why can't I talk to you? Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like you got to find a way to do it in a funny way, but also like in a, no, nah, I got this. I got this. Exactly. And you bring it back to you because inevitably you're controlling the room. You don't want to make it an interactive show. And I say that when I see a comic go up before me and they same exact thing where they'll try to like be funny and then they turn it and then you can tell as a, as a comic in the back, you're like, do not answer that question that they do. Like, don't do it. And then the comic will engage with them. And you're like, you've just turned it into an interactive show now. Yeah. Now they think they're a part of this. Well, the thing is, though, is that you can always ask people. Like, uh, that's why I make fun of people because I'm like, you know, I'll ask people, oh, like, how long have you guys been together? And they'll be like, oh, you know, we started dating. I was like, girl, I didn't ask you for your Hallmark story. I, I just give me a yeah. day. Give me a, give me a few numbers. Give me like one or two. All right. Let's do math. Here. It's always so funny when it's like, what do you do? And they're like, oh, well, and they're like, all right, too long, too long. Yeah. Like if so, if I ask someone, I'm like, oh, so what do you do? And they're just and they just stare at me. I, I literally just say out loud. I was like, well, this is amazing. <laughs> I'm like, well, this is this is Exactly why I got into comedy. This is why I do this. This is why I do comedy. So that way I can stand here and hear silence from people. Right. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure you're a loud motherfucker when you're drunk or when you're having sex. But now when you're talking to a homosexual on stage, you're just quiet. And that that? and that and that that is homophobic. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so funny. That's so good. Yeah. Let's talk about, um, so we got into like how you got to New York starting comedy. Then, of course, past it, the stand and Broadway and Greenwich Village was all, I mean, that's huge, especially because there's so many people out there trying that yeah. you, you made it through. That's awesome. You've made it to that next level. And using transitive property, we could argue, you know, I think the stand is probably one of the best clubs in New York. New York is the best city for comedy. So if you really think about it, you're past at one of the best clubs in the world. Yeah, I think of it as, you know, I, I'll, I'll give you the top two is seller and then the stand. Yeah. You know, because if you think about it, you know, and all the other clubs are amazing and that and it's and it's they're great. But if you if we're just defining. Yeah, exactly. The top two, I would say it goes the seller and then the stand because you get comics that go to the cellar and then you get comics that go to the stand like bill burr is at the stand you know you get dave Chappelle at Gaffigan, the stand you get all these people who come to the stand like uh who was there the other week that just swung by because they were going to do time but they didn't want to because it was just too much chris rock chris rock literally walks into the stand is like i'm okay i'm gonna hear i'm gonna check the show out see if i can do some time and then that's it like 
you the amount of people that you can network with and see and talk to at like at any of the clubs but especially like the seller and the stand and i think you know the the greatest thing about the people that i've worked with at all the clubs is they're like this is a stepping stone for you they're like we love you yeah but this is a stepping stone for you like this is a stepping stone for you to get to your next level. Yeah, there, what this is, is not the end of the, getting right. past at any of these clubs is not okay. I'm done. It's okay now. I have a way to network with other comics, right? To help with the podcast and to help with booking dates right. and to help with you know this and that. Right. And then you keep going. And as a host at the stand, I think is probably one of the biggest honors. Yeah, because. What I'm doing is they're entrusting me to be able to bring a room together at one of the biggest clubs. And I mean, like, I mean, it's a hard job, too. It's a very hard job. Like the other night I had like uh, the lineup was insane. It was uh, uh, Mike Falzone. It was uh, uh, Shane Gillis. It was Derek Gaines. It was like it was just Jordan Jensen. It was just the number. Yeah, I saw her for the first time a couple weeks ago. Brilliant. Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah. So like you know you're you're literally performing with people that are also like national stars. Yeah, they're known commodities. Right. They're they're known they're known people. So like to be able to and then they get to know who you are. Yeah. Because they see you hosting and they're like, all right, and this and that and like you know I hosted a good. A good example is I hosted a show with Ashley Hesseltine and Ashley Hesseltine was on the show and we had such a blast. I remember I actually I was hosting a show where I did a spot and she was sitting in the audience and I just it was one of those nights where it was like maybe 15 people in the audience. And I was like, fuck this. We're going yeah. to have an amazing time. We had a great time. I did. Very, I did well. Uh, and. She was like, and we started chatting, and she's like, oh, my gosh, you're so funny. I love you. We started chatting. I started hosting shows that she was on, and from that, she was like, hey, I'm doing my, you know, one-hour special at the stand. You know, do you want to open for me? Boom. And I was like, yeah, I do. And so, like, you know, through that, now not only have I made a good friend – but I, it was an, it was a big opportunity. I mean, that was huge. Yeah, it's an know? honor to be asked to do. You that. know, it's an honor that it's. If you think about it, it's an honor that people entrust that you can build up and have a, make a room so much fun that when, when they get on stage, the opener, guest, or feature spots should do all of the work so that when or so the. The the guest or the or the the however the spots are, so that the headliner when they get on they don't have to do anything. Yeah, it is just go 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 go. You sh- I if I ever when I when I not if but when I do my special I'm gonna put people on the show that I know that when I get on stage I won't have to do anything. Yeah, it's going to be ready to go. Yeah, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to do. I don't have to worry about uh, warming them up or not having them be tight or things like that. They're I'm going to get on stage and it is going to be let's rock this motherfucking house down. Yeah, exactly. And that's yeah. I always found it interesting when comedians would tour or take people out with them that they knew weren't very strong because then it made them look better. I never understood that because one of the guys that I 
would feature for a lot. Marcus Crespo, he's really known in the Southeast, friend of the show, love him to death. He brought like people that would make him work. Yeah. Because it's like, like you're saying, like I want it to be so good before I get up there that I don't, I can just go. Right. And it pushes you to try harder, to be better, to right. do better. Because I don't, if, if, if I think about it, like I don't, when I did Ashley Heseltine's show, I wanted it so that when she got on stage, the audience was just like, oh my God, we're having an amazing time. This is going to be amazing. I don't want her to get on stage and just have it be tight because if she's filming this, it's an hour of wasted material yeah. if no one's laughing or it's tight or no one's having fun or something happens, right? Mm -hmm. That's the thing. It's like you got you to gotta make it so that way if they're filming something, it's uh, it, it just sounds like holy shit. Yeah, and it's up to you as the person going in front yeah. to make that right. Right. Which is awesome that, like you said, it's – it's great that they've entrusted you with that because a lot of people look at hosting and they go, I don't want to host. Like, fuck that. Like, go up first, do the shortest amount of time, and then, like, you know, I'm everyone's tight. And I don't want to. I, I mean, I, I've been in that situation before in different, obviously, scenes where I'm like, I really got to host. Like, I don't. But the way you put it, 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 it's almost like an honor. It's like, no, I get to host. I get. They trust me enough to get this going. Well, and that's the thing is, like, I guess I've just. For a while now, I've kind of changed my mindset and I'm like, okay, what's the silver lining in this? Yeah. What positive. is the silver lining in this? Right. And the silver lining is, yeah, I'm hosting and I'd like to have some uh, some spot spots so that way I can work on the 15 minute material or 20 minute material. Mm -hmm. But to be entrusted in hosting is a huge deal. It's yeah. a huge deal in any show because you are you and my friend. Dan Janine, who produces a lot of shows and does comedy and, you know, has become a really good friend, you know, he and it's very true. It's like he says the most important people on a show are usually the uh, the host and then the first comic and then the last comic. Yep. Those are That's like what everyone I remembers. mean, everybody's important. But always the the host, the first comic and the last comic, those are the people that people will remember yep. most. I, I would think sometimes the most. Unless you're like just, I mean, you know, unless it's you're like you Bill Burr that. that comes out in the middle yeah. of it. Yeah. When I did the industry room at Broadway, I um, I've obviously to bring her. I brought uh, a few people, like 15 people. But it's a, it's a packed room. Right. And I was talking, it's, it's so funny you say what you just said, because I was talking to my friends after and they said the host was, the host was really good, but the first two comics he brought out, we thought, oh, this is going to be a very long night. And that's what they remember. So there was a lot of good comics on there, a lot of funny comics. Well, that's also but an they, industry show. Yeah. That's not necessarily a regular show. That's true. But the, what I'm saying is these people who have nothing to do with comedy just came out to watch a show. They remembered the first two people that went up. Exactly. They couldn't tell me about. There was a lot of good com the great comics that went. They couldn't really differentiate between that. They just remembered the first two that went up and then the last one that went up. Yep. So it's usually the host, the first comic, and then the last comic. Yeah, and they that's what they they everyone remembered the first comic, which is fascinating because like you said, it's a it's the industry room, it's a bringer show. We we all know why we're there, but still, there's something just physiological about the brain where they're like 
this is what they're taking in. That's why a lot of times I think, and this is just my thought, is that when people do, when they tape their special, they will have, it'll be three people. It'll be the opener, it'll be the host, it'll be the opener, and then it'll be that person. Yeah. Because that's all you really need. That's, in that sense, when you're, or at least when you're recording, that's all you need. Mm -hmm. You need a host of this, and then a, and then someone let's who's go, doing that, yeah. and that's it. Yeah. Well, let's talk about you. Oh my god, even more. Even more. Don't forget, you're on the bottom. Uh, we. Oh, I love that. I wanted to talk to you about. So obviously, the show X Drinking Buddy. It's about drinking stories and whatnot. Now, my listeners know I'm normally um, get a list and we go through the list and then we kind of tie it all into everything. But Oscar love that he is i got here and he just goes oh, i got it so we're gonna let you ride this choo-choo train wherever you want to go mm, so that's when so hot i've i've been around you quite a few times i never see you uh going too crazy you're always very reserved very yeah, i don't drink when i when i'm working okay so you see that's I love to see that. It's very professional. I used, yeah. I get so mad when people get on stage and they're like, oh, I'm so wasted. It's like, then get off. Like, you're wasting yeah. everyone's time. Yeah. I mean, unless you know how to handle it really yeah. well. Well, I, there's but like, like real. Yeah. yeah. But then I'm like, yeah, no, I don't. I don't want to drink because I don't want it to impair any type of judgment, especially at like large clubs. I'll have a drink here and there, right? I'll mm -hmm. have a drink here and there if I'm having a stressful night. If I'm halfway through a show... And like I'm toward and it's like toward it's like the last two comics. I'll have a drink. Yeah. Right. But I, I, I try not to have a drink before any show because that's like I don't want to have a drink. While I'm trying to work because yeah, and I then don't you stumble a line and then all of a sudden it's like, fuck, that's only because I drink and now you're in your head. And then right. So it's a whole thing. No, I don't drink, but I used to drink a lot. Actually, did you? Oh, my God. I drank. This is exciting. so much in college. Where did Holy you go to college? Holy fuck. I went to a community college. Okay. And I... Here or in Chicago? In, in Chicago. Outside of Chicago. And I used to drink so much. When did you I start... Would, let's get into it. When did you start drinking? Like, I don't as, know. I just did it to be cool. I okay. Guess. So you I never started really like drank high to like... I never drank to enjoy it. I just did it to be cool. And yeah. Fun. And then you get into college and then what happens? And then like I just went full force. Okay. And I would drink, you know six seven pints of like the pint glasses yeah. of beer just every down. saturday sunday yeah oh yeah and there was one time when so uh it was the last day of call it was the last day of college and m my parents were coming the next day because it was kind of like a graduation ceremony so yeah. my parents were coming the next day i got so drunk <laughs> That apparently I threw up all over the dorm in the hallway in the reception really? area. Yeah, and I Just woke like a up constant and stream of constant stream of vomit all the way every everywhere everywhere. And I woke up and I was like, I don't remember a thing. Oh my god! I don't even remember getting into bed. That's how bad it was. Like I never. Even what was remember. it? Was it just celebrating that it was done? Yeah. Okay. I was like, fuck this. And I and people were like, you literally destroyed the hallway and reception area and everything of the dorm. And I was like, I don't remember anything. So what I happened? Did you get a bill, like a cleaning bill or now I was really like smooches smooches with yeah. like the dorm person. Yeah. You're like, so, Oh my God. I'm I mean, so I'm so sorry. And plus I'm gay and you love gay people and like, <laughs> just let it be. Right. And so, yeah, I did not, I didn't have to do anything, but yeah, I got so 
blackout drunk. And then there was another time where I was drinking in New- so I just moved to New York City and I went to a big gay dance party called the Black Party. And the Black Party is a kind of like a very Is this leather- like a known thing? It was back okay. like 10, 10 years ago. Yeah. Five, 10 years ago. It's a black party and they call it black party because it's like all leather. Yeah. Okay. And like dominatrix and this and that. But it's not all, you don't have to be in leather, but that's what it's called. And so I went and it's, I it's was, kind of recommended. It's right. Not. And so I was there and I think I had like a drink or two. And then I took a hit of, and I had never done this before, but I took a hit of my friend's uh, weed. One hit, one weed, something? Yeah, one hitter, yeah. Yeah, one hitter. I think that thing was laced with acid. Oh, really? What because happened? Because literally I was dancing on the dance floor. And then the next moment I open my eyes and I, the only thing I hear are people whispering. I'm in the middle of a dance floor. There are at least a thousand shirtless gay men around me dancing. And the only thing I hear is whispering. Oh, no. So I don't know if it was the drink. I don't know if it was the acid. But I I left. I was like, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. Somehow I got into a cab. I got home. I was up for three days. Three days? I was up for three days. I did not sleep. I Were thought you I was panicking? dead. Yeah, I thought I was dead. I went, I got into oh my, my bed. I remember I got into my bed laying at the ceiling and I was like, I'm actually dead. They are looking at my dead body on the dance floor right now. Oh no. Yeah. So what happened? Were you working at the time? Like did you have to call out? Like what? No, I went into work. I went into work. I don't know how I did it. I don't know. I to this day there's still parts of me where i'm like i'm shocked i survived yeah that's i this is why i love doing the show because people have a tendency to gloss over like those little things like yeah i got so hammered i would like slept for three days and it's like okay well that's crazy but logistically there's things that are going on around you all the time how did you eat you know how did you get fired how did you pay your rent that much like that's this those little things are the kind of thing that i'm so fascinated by so oh yeah i don't know how it happened i don't know you what just I showed did. up to work showed up dead to work, behind the eyes like dead just, behind the eyes did what i had to do sat there came home went back to bed couldn't sleep every time i closed my eyes i just was back on the dance floor really yep every single time and it was the same thing repeating over and over and over and i just remember opening my eyes on the dance floor and all i saw was everything was just blurry oh my god everything was blurry and all i heard was whispers that's it so did you talk to your friends people whispering uh, were I don't like, know what, what happened. the fuck. I don't know what happened. Me? I did ask my friend afterwards and they were like, oh, no, we don't know. We don't know what happened. And I was like, OK, that's weird. Yeah. But these weren't really my friends. I kind of oh, just okay. knew them from out and about. So it's yeah. not like I had easy contact with them. OK. God, that's so terrifying because. Oh, yeah. And after that moment, after that specific moment, I stopped drinking alcohol for 11 years. Really? Yep. For 11 years. From 2006 to 2017, I did not drink. So did you, were you like a, a conscious choice or was it just yeah. because that, that, 
that whole incident thing was so yeah, horrific. That whole thing was so bad that I did not want to ever because I didn't know if it was water or if it was the pot with acid or something. Yeah. So every time I took a sip of something that I didn't know what was or, or like even like I remember I went to a, I would still go out afterwards and I would have a bottle of water. And every time I took a sip of it, I was always worried or scared that I would go back into this induced oh my state god that's oh, terrifying yeah. so that's why i didn't drink i didn't have alcohol i had nothing for 11 years so did you were you completely sober or were you still smoking or anything like nothing nothing wow i did not know that about you yep i was sober for 11 years welcome to the ex drinking buddy podcast look at that i know you were like oh i don't know if he has anything and i was like you never know <laughs> Yeah, you'd never you tricked me. I know. You son of a gun. So, yeah, I did not drink for 11 years. The, that, the it, first time I drank was on New Year's Eve. And I, my friend and 2017. I, yeah, my friend Justin and I think 2017, 2016 or 2017. I know it was definitely at least 10 years. But I know uh, I remember the first time I had a sip of drink was uh, I went out for New Year's Eve and my friend Justin ordered champagne. And so I took a sip of champagne. And that was it. And just a sip. Yep. And you weren't like, okay, I'm back on. You were kind of like, hesitant. I was like, I was like hesitant. I was like, all right, you know, let me just. I took a sip and I was like, okay, I'm good. Okay. And that was it. And then honestly, I haven't really drank since then. I was gonna say because I see you, I'm around you enough to know that you will have a drink every once in a while. Yeah. So that's why in my head I was like, well, he's not sober because he he can drink like on occasion, but then I see some comics around and they just get housed like let's go but i've never seen you like that so i was like does he not like does i will i will enjoy i don't there's also a part of me where i'm like i don't find spending forty dollars on a forty dollars for a glass of clear liquid yeah that's true feasibly fiscally responsible responsible i've gone to um, i would rather buy like a sweatshirt or something like that Yeah, i've gone out before obviously everyone knows that savannah drinks and i've gone out to eat with her before to restaurants i've gone to by myself and like you know it's new york so by the time i leave there with tip and everything it's like 30 bucks for me but then i'll go there with sometimes with savannah and i'm not paying attention she just you know we order what we order and then i'll get the bill and it's like 120 dollars, and i'm like what the f- actual fuck yeah. and it's like $22 per glass of wine it's you know all this extra stuff and i'm like i always forget how expensive it is to drink yesterday i went out and I, this uh, and yesterday i went out with uh with uh someone and we went to we went to lunch and lunch we, in the city <laughs> lunch in the city we get the bill i was like i'll take care of the bill don't worry about it we get the bill, $76 for lunch. It's insane. $76 for lunch. Yeah, it's and it's the, the alcohol that always throws me. Yeah. Well, we didn't even have alcohol. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, because yeah. it's, we... um. I Now I see why people have, like, liquid liquid brunches. Yeah. Because of, like, why I'm, it, it, like, I, I can just have a drink... And then be like, all right, well, that's my lunch, and boom, done. There we go. I walk by because we live on <coughs> Second Ave. There's a lot of like little. Sh- that's you know. very heterosexual. Is it? Yeah, it's very heterosexual over there. I thought, yeah, no, that makes sense. It is very heterosexual. Yeah. 
We had, speaking of ex-drinking buddy stories, we had a young lady passed out on our stoop last night. And I did not know what to do. So I talked to, I was like, what do we do? Savannah was irritated more than anything. She's like, fucking tell her to leave. So I was like, okay. Because we have a big dog that we're trying to like walk. And she's sprawled in front of the stoop, just out. Yeah. So I go to take the dog out. And I'm like, you okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. And I was like, are you sure? Like, do you need me to call anybody? Do you need me to like move you anywhere? And she was clearly like well off. Like she was very like nicely dressed and everything. She was just out. So I call 311 because I don't know what to do. And then I end up getting transferred to the the precinct that's right near my house. And I was like, I guess I'm going to talk to the police. Yeah. And she was just fucked up. But I say that because. Wait, did the police come? Yeah, they eventually came. But by the time they got there, she had stumbled away. I didn't oh. like stand outside and wait. I called and then was in my apartment like a little baby, like looking out my window. But the reason I say that is because where I live, there's so many bars. And yeah. we walk like when we, I walk out in the morning, like today coming here, I'm walking down just the second Avenue and I'm looking and it's like fifty dollars. One hour bottomless mimosas. Yeah, that's a lot. Like seventy five dollars bottomless mimosas. No yeah, time. You limit. do know that mimosas are 90 percent orange juice and one percent Awful, like garbage. liquor store garbage. Champagne. Champagne. Not even Prosecco because it's not yeah. champagne. So you're literally drinking $50 worth of orange juice. And it's crazy to me because in New York, they put time limits on it. Yeah. They don't do that in Florida. In Florida, it's like $20, bottomless mimosas, all brunch. You can go there from 9 in the morning till 2 in the afternoon. Yeah, but the problem is here is that they want turnover. Yeah. Like they I need to trouble turn at work. Over. Sometimes if people order another round after dinner... My managers will come up and go, hey, we need that table. And I go, yeah, they're just having after dinner drinks. They go, no, 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 no. We told them when they sat down they had to be out by 8.15. It's 8.09. Like, get them out of here. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, I didn't think that was a thing. But like oh, yeah. you said, in I've New done York. That. Well, you know what it is? Is We've done that before. We're like, um, I've gone out to dinner. And we'll go, up, we'll go to a place and they'll be like, yeah, well, you can seat you as long as you're done by 7 o'clock. Or like as long as you're done by eight because they have other reservations. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a fast eater. So I'll take the table and then be done by eight. But I can see where people are like. Sometimes oh, no. people think it's a suggestion. And it's like, no, we told you you had to be out by eight. Yeah. Like, you and then they get leave. irritated. And I'm like, but uh, here's the thing. I hate lingering. At I hate it. I hate it. I want to eat. I want to enjoy my meal. But then I'm done. But then I'm done. I have no reason to hang out here. I have no reason. There's no reason. I'm, it's not like there's artwork. There's not a TED Talk. There's nothing happening. I want to go home. Even if it's cool, it's like, yeah, like we went to that place that's inside the pawn shop. I forget what it's called. Have you heard of this? No. So there's like this swanky restaurant. Um, it was down near Pier, Pier 36. We went before the Van Gogh experience. And we go in and you walk into a pawn shop. And then they click a little button and this like false wall opens up and yeah. you, there's a restaurant and it's beautiful. It's immaculate. There's chandeliers right. and it's art. It, it, the, the building itself is artistic. Right. But still, when I'm done eating, it's time to go. Yeah. Like even in this super swanky, cool building, it's like, yeah, but there's no reason to. I've seen it. I don't need to sit here and keep looking at it. Yeah. So I don't understand why people want to just hang out. Oh, no. I'm like, as soon as I'm like, th that's why the biggest thing for me is like, a, like I when I'm done, I, I, I'm I'm good. Yeah. I'm going to ask for the check. And my biggest pet peeve is sitting through a friend's birthday brunch or dinner and it lasts 
for four hours. Yeah, and you don't feel like you're allowed to leave because right. it's for them. Right, but like that's a great thing about comedy is they'll be like, oh, I have a show. Sorry, I have to go. Yeah. Oh, you can always pull the oh, show. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I have a show. But Oscar, it's two o'clock on a Sunday. Yeah, it's a it's a early brunch show. show. Brunch I'm doing show. a brunch. Show. I'm doing a brunch yeah. in the uh, East Village. Yeah, I'm doing a brunch show in the East Village. That makes sense. Yeah, of course it does. Have you? Okay, so I want to go a couple different ways. Have you gotten like outrageously hammered since you've started drinking again? Mm-mm. I mean, I've gotten tipsy. Okay. Like I've gotten, I've gotten tipsy definitely, but I have not gotten like you've been blacked out or anything like that. Nah, I don't like it. Okay, I don't like the feeling of being out of control. Yeah, and also for me, I will usually drink. I will drink vodka once in a while, but I'll drink tequila mostly. Okay, because vodka, white wine, and red wine puts me to sleep. Yeah, I see. That's the thing is, people can drink red wine and they're like, ah, and I'm like. <laughs> Half a glass of red wine. <laughs> and you're ready for bed. And I'm ready for bed. I'm literally ready for bed after a half a glass of red wine. I'm like. Just sitting at the table. Yeah. I will fall. I will. I, my eyes will start closing at the table. That's crazy. Yeah. Because it's like half a glass of red. I mean, I'll enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I'll. And, you know, I'll get through it. But after that, I'm like, yeah, I'm done. I'm good. Do you have any other. Um, have you done anything else? Because you're not a drug person. Correct. You don't no. do. Okay. No. So you you've been I cannot believe that you've had this fucking overdose three days thinking you were dead crazy story just tucked away in your back pocket. Yeah, I don't really talk about it that often. Well, I'm glad you talk. I hope you don't mind talking about it on the oh, podcast. God, no, I don't mind. Everybody knows. I mean, except for my parents. But well, yeah. yeah, and they don't listen to podcasts, do they? No, my mother just got running water two years ago. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. Where she they? lives in the woods. Oh, really? Yeah. So she was like, we're getting running water. And I was like, okay. How were they getting water before? Well, well well water. Yep. Well, is she in Illinois? No, she's in Norway, but that's a different, that's a totally different, yeah. Different podcast. That's a different time. That's a long fucking story. And uh, yeah. (laughs) Okay. I got you. I got you. Yeah. So, so you grew up, so you did grow up in Chicago. Mm -hmm. I I grew up in Chicago and then I went to Columbia college there, which was, Great. But Do you also ever pointless. just tell people I went to Columbia? Oh yeah, all the time. Yeah, people always like, "Oh, where'd you go to college?" I'm like, "I went to Columbia." And then you I just, have to say that. Yeah, and then I just walk away and be like, "College Chicago." So at least I don't feel. <laughs> at least I don't feel guilty. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, well this was a lot of fun. Oh my gosh, I love this. There's actually a lot. Sorry of, but for the, the time, technical difficulties. No, don't worry about it. Everything went really like smoothly, and like the time went by so fast. Yeah. So we've we're at about an hour. Um. Plug everything one more time. Your podcast. All right. So I have a podcast um, called. uh, So I have a podcast called Oh Oscar. Oh, Oscar. It's on Spotify and Apple iTunes. I guess iTunes. Apple Podcasts. And then I also put it up on YouTube. So you can go to. Oh, Oscar. Is it video? Yep. It's Oscar Aiden. So I do a few episodes on there. And then I do uh, also I'm on Instagram. It's Oscar Aiden. And then Twitter, I have Gay DHD. And you can always check out the stand website, the stand NYC. Uh, if you just find me under the comics or the comedians, you'll see all the shows that I'm on. I'm also at Greenwich and Broadway Comedy Club. Yeah. Broadway. That was I told you this after it happened, but that was an interesting experience when I did it because you were like the person they brought up as the poster child for the almost for like the industry room. I told you that. Oh, I think so. Yeah. Where the booker was like, you know, most people in this room aren't going to get past. You're not going to be asked back, but keep trying, like keep going. We'll give you feedback. 
He goes, but we see it all the time. Like we had Oscar Aiden, very funny comedian, now a paid regular at the stand. Really? He said that? Yeah, he said he now. I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure he said that. Yeah. And he was like, maybe he didn't say that. Maybe I'm just adding to your credits. But he was like, Oscar Aiden, very funny comic. Maybe he said around New York. Yeah. But he said uh, he came here. We put him on the uh, uh, residency program. And then, you know, now he's a paid regular here in Greenwichville. Like he was like. Do you guys know Oscar? This fucking room, Oscar killed it. And I was like, oh. Did he say that? Really? He, yeah, he brought you up. Because I remember the reason it sticks out in my head so much is because when he said Oscar Aiden, I chuckled. And he, he looked at me and goes, what? And I go, I love Oscar. And he goes, yeah, that's what I'm getting at. We do too. And I was like, well, I'll just go fuck myself. I, <laughs> I love it. You know what? I will say this, and I've always said this. Rich is... The only person in my in the big like in the beginning, and I've talked to other comics or I've talked to other people, and they've kind of given me advice. But Rich was the only one who actually told me what I needed to work on. Yeah, no one else would ever say anything. No talent managers, no nothing. They're like, you know, the, Rich was like, I need because Rich has been in the industry for years. He is a veteran. He's a legend. He's a legend in the industry. He's seen literally everyone come and go. Emma Willman started, I think out, out at Broadway. Uh, uh, Nori Davis started out at Broadway. Like all these people start. And he, so they've, he's seen everyone and he looked at me and he was like, you have great stage presence and you have a lot of good, but he's like, I need material. That's he's like, you don't have any material. He's like, how am I going to give you 10 to 15 spots? Or how am I going to give you 10-minute, 15-minute spots if I if I don't know if you have material? And ever since that day, I have literally just had that in the back of my mind. And so for me, that was the greatest gift that anyone because he made me a better comic. And I will always tell – and people have different opinions about the industry room. And that's fine. But because of his experience and my experience, I will always give him credit for a lot of my success. Yeah, and I, I really enjoyed it because when he called me to give me my feedback, it was funny because – he said, you know, you have a very good stage presence. And I said, you know, thank you. And then he goes, but you're more of a storyteller. And I am a storyteller. Right. So I did not realize that was a constructive critique. Right. I said, thank you. And he goes, no, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> he goes, in New York, you have to have more jo- You need jokes. Yeah. Like, you need to take your stories because they're very funny. They're very good. He even called one of the premises. He's like, that's like genius. I never thought about that. That's so good. He goes, but you have to boil it down. Right. You have to boil it down. Who was I talking to? Gus Constantelis. I was talking to him, and he was like, usually when you're doing a set, 90% of what you're saying can be cut out. Yeah. And then the rest is your joke. It was interesting, too, because I did a show with Jill Kimmel, huge fan, friend, love Jill. She was doing a show at Broadway and put me on it. This is like a month into living in New York. And I was like, wow, I booked a show a month in. I haven't even done an open mic yet. And now I'm going, like, I'm doing a show with Jill. And then obviously I found open mics and I was getting ready for the show. I did 15 minutes with her. I had no idea what spot I was doing. I had no idea how much time I was doing. I just said, yeah, I'll do the show. And then I got there. She's like, you're going to go up front. You're going to do 15. And I was like, okay, here we go. Between the move and everything, I hadn't, other than the open mics I did, I hadn't been on like a stage for a show in a long time. Right. Like a few months. So I get up there and it goes fine. But then when I go to do the industry room, it's literally the same set. 
it's just five minutes instead of 15. Right. Because there's so much, like, so stuff I, you can cut out. Right. So, like, also in those in those auditions, it should be your best material. Yeah. Like, that should be, like, you know, Amina Imani, she just got passed at the cellar. And that five minutes should be your best five minutes the, yeah. ever. Like, literally your A, 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 A plus game. And yeah. that's the thing is, like, when you audition at clubs, it's always your A game. Mm-hmm. Always your A game. And that's the thing. It's like, and I will say this to comedians, and I will say this to anyone and everyone. If you are dish are if you are auditioning for a spot at a club or if to get past, show up at least forty five minutes early. Yes, it doesn't matter. Wait outside. I don't care if it's freezing cold. I smoked like ten get, cigarettes before. Get to that space forty five minutes early because you never know. And then when you do get your spots or residency. If the spot time is 9.10, don't show up at 9.10. Show up at 8.40, 8.45 because you never know what's happening. They may need an extra comic. I can't tell you how many times I've been at Greenwich Village and new comics who get a residency, their spot time is like 9.10 or 9.20 and they will show up at 9.20. And I'm like, no. That's not how this works. No, no, no. You show up at nine o'clock yeah. and you sit there and you wait until your spot time. And then when you're done, you can leave. Yeah. But I've, and, and, and people will come in and they're like, oh, I, I thought my spot time was nine ten. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you show up right at nine ten. Cause I remember I was doing a show at Greenwich and it was me, the host. And that was it. Really? And there were no other comics. So the manager had to run to the pair and get a comedian because no one was there yet. Now, I understand things happen. People run late. That's a totally understandable. It happens. I've had to text people and be like, hey, I'm, I'm on my way. I may be five minutes late, just FYI, but I'm on my way. But showing up just because you're like, okay. I mean, I always say club spots are the most important in the world. They always come above everything else. Yeah. If, if someone says, you know, hey, I got a show in Brooklyn on Saturday at eight o'clock. And then someone says, hey, you know, you're going to get a spot in, you know, at a club. You take the club. Yeah. You take the club because that is a guaranteed audience. That show in Brooklyn, even though it may or may not, most times it does have an audience. The club spot is the most important. Like yeah, and there's that, a lot more that can come from the club spot. Right. A bar show is not booking you five nights a week to do comedy. Right. That's a thing. <clears throat> yeah. So, no, this was great. I had a wonderful I do time. appreciate you coming on. We've been trying to do this for a little while. I'm so glad. This is going to be a lot of fun. Okay, uh, good. <clears throat> follow me at Brennan T Comedy. Brennan T Comedy on all social media. Uh, check out the website, BrennanTComedy.com. Patreon.com slash Brennan Tassif. Check out the merch store. OnlyFans? No OnlyFans. Okay. I had a Shucks. guest come in the other day, totally threw me for a loop. Older gentleman, very big guy, and just by himself, everything was fine. And then he, at the end of the meal, and he came in early at the end of the meal, he goes, hey, so this might be totally inappropriate, but what would I have to do to get you to come have a drink with me? And I was like, now? He goes, yeah. I go, I'm working. And then he left me an extra 20 spot. And I was like, oh, oopsies. Anyway, uh, thank you everybody for listening. I was like, I still got it. <laughs>
Uh, Shut up, Brian. Brian at tcomedy.com, and we'll talk to you all next week. <laughs> <laughs>